This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 818, Comic Talk. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 818, and it is our Comic Talk episode, uh, otherwise known as uh, a fill-in episode. Um, yeah, you know, comic books can have uh, fill-in episodes where they kind of uh, don't maybe have the, uh, what's the best word, uh, the ATA squad, uh, or A squad's taking a break, so they're going to bring on someone else. So I thought uh, today I'm going to do a little bit of uh, Comic Talk, just kind of chatting about stuff. Um, that are kind of on my mind about comics in general, uh, and just a few things. Um, we'll get to our regular scheduled programming in terms of interviews, etc., uh, with our next episode, 820, which, uh, if everything goes according to plan, we'll have Rick Hoberg on the show, who's a storyboard artist as well as a comic book artist uh, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and then in a lot of storyboarding, uh, as well as working on the X-Men animated series, amongst other projects. So I'm really excited to talk to him. That'll be our next episode, 820. Uh, episode 822, again, if everything goes according to plan, will be Ian Flynn, the current writer and actually longtime writer of uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Um, I only recently started following Sonic the Hedgehog um, when my son... Actually, it was all thanks to you know clever marketing that I was at a comic book store uh, two years ago, and I guess the IDW was acquiring or bringing over the Sonic the Hedgehog license. I guess it was at Archie for like the longest time. Uh, so suddenly IDW was taking it over, and they were doing an issue every week. And I'm like, you know, Zach, Zach likes Sonic. To be honest, I'm not sure how I thought he knew Sonic. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he'd seen a video game or that I'd played or something. But I was like, "Oh, he likes Sonic. I'll, I'll get these. I'll get these comics." Uh, so the first four issues of that series came out weekly, and so I would bring them every week. I was, you know, bringing home an issue for my son, and he was so excited about it. And to this day, like, you know, it's an issue. I think 33 now. Um, you know, and I bring him home. You know, every time there's a new issue, he's so excited to see it. Or if it's a if it's um, what's gonna call it? Uh, if it's a spinoff or something like the you know, there's a current Bad Guys miniseries. There's a Tangle and Whisper miniseries, and so we're buying those. And, and again, I'm not someone who's ever really read Sonic the Hedgehog before buying this with my son, and I'm enjoying it. It's fun. It's uh, you know, and I'm really curious to talk about it with Ian, uh, like how I got into writing, you know, the comic for Sonic, um, you know, what that's been like. I mean, it's such an interesting world to be exposed to now, predominantly because of my son. But it's interesting to kind of see what that world has become. And, you know, I I remember going to, you know, friends' houses when I was a kid and playing Sonic the Hedgehog 1, 2, and I guess maybe 3, because I knew about Knuckles and I knew about Tails. Uh, but I never really knew anything past that. Um, I didn't really know that much about the characters. Like, like I, I kind of instinctively knew certain things like i knew about uh, amy but i didn't really know about the chaotix or like you know so a lot of this is me experiencing it for kind of for the first time in fact to be honest i i don't know if i really it was in my head that it was dr eggman because in my head i remember sonic one it was dr robotnik and i'm like when did it become dr eggman and everyone's like eh, it's eggman i'm like i don't know when this happened um, so reading the, the Sonic comics has really been an eye-opening experience and to see it through my son's eyes too. And, uh, I shall mention this, and this is probably something I'll mention on the episode with Ian, depending on our rapport. Um, but, uh, I was telling my son, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be able to talk to the guy who's been writing 
the Sonic comic since you've been reading it. And, uh, I mean, and he doesn't really get the idea of podcasting or, you know, the, I mean, when I was seven years old, I probably didn't really understand how people wrote comics and that people made comics. And my dad never sat me down. and was like, oh, son, this is how they make a comic book. Um, but so I'm t- telling my son, you know, like, and he, he is, he knows the idea that I've talked to someone before because, you know, he knew that I talked to the guy who created Hilo and so he kind of gets that, but I don't know if he really gets it. So I was like, you know, Zach, I'm going to be interviewing the guy who wrote the silent comics that you really like. He's like, okay, that's really cool. And then we're reading a comic and this is like issue four or five. It's like we're rereading. We, we were, we're current, but for a while, like I missed an issue or two and I was trying to you know get the issue. So we weren't on a monthly basis anymore. So we're, now we're going back to the beginning and every issue, every day we're reading another issue to kind of eventually after a month, we'll be caught back up with our monthly issues. Uh, and not that he hasn't read them anyway, but I will remember what's going on now. Uh, so we're reading through it all. And he looks at this one page, and on some of the, the the pages at the beginning of the issue, they you know kind of say Sonic the Hedgehog, Blue Marble, or whatever you know, like a little, little word about them. So there was a character that they did this about. I think it actually was Sonic. Um, anyways, and in in the the lettering color did not really work with the background. It was it was obscured. It was hard to read. And my son looks at me. Says, "Dad, when you talk to you you're talking to the guy who's writing the Sonic comic, I'm like, yeah, 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 Zach. He's like." When you do that, can you ask him why he made it hard to read this word? <laughs> I'm like, um, no, I am not going to ask him that. Um, but then it became like this discussion. I'm like, okay, Zach, this is how they make a comic book. There's someone who plots or scripts it. And then, you know, then there's someone who does the actual art and he does what they do with pencil. And then there's someone who comes over with inks and then there are colors and then they add the letters. And I think he kind of got it, but it was interesting. And I was thinking, I don't think I learned about this stuff for years uh, after uh, he's seven years old. And I'm giving him like a crash course and this is how comics work. I, I stopped short of explaining what an editor in comics work because I don't think he needs to know that um, <laughs> to be that confused. Okay, there's someone who puts the team together to then there's going to be a writer and an artist. Yeah, that might be too much for him. But um, anyways, <laughs> I don't even know why I'm talking about this. Um, but anyways, oh yeah, so one of our upcoming episodes has Ian Flynn on it, um, which I'm really excited about. And then we're working on scheduling for Adam Hughes, which I'm really pumped for, uh, bringing Eric and Julia Leewell back on the show, which I'm really excited about as well. Um, there's a few others. I think Dennis Hopeless might be coming back on the show soon, or Dennis Hallam, I believe it is now. Um, so I'm really excited. So there's really good stuff coming in the next couple of months. So I'm really excited to share that with everyone and actually to have the interviews and then to share them uh, once they're done. But uh, it's really exciting. And I think at some point I'm, I would love to have Mark Wade back on the show. I mean, who wouldn't want to have Mark Wade on the show? Um, but um, yeah, some great stuff coming up on the show. So I just wanted to do a little bit of random comic talk. Um, again, I don't I didn't really have an episode for this week. Um, you know, scheduling for some of the interviews didn't quite go the way I thought it was going to go, or maybe I just made a mistake and I ended up with like this kind of blank hole in the schedule. So I'm like, what am I going to chat about? Um, so one thing I did want to talk about is um, so. I don't think it's a big surprise to people who follow anything about collected editions that, generally speaking, there's a lot more praise given to Marvel's collection department than DC's. Uh, Marvel seems to have, it's at times, a better handle on, um, you know, first of all, a commitment to publishing stuff, and they don't kind of cancel things nearly as often. DC seems to do that a lot. In fact, a couple, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, they announced that two of current trades... Uh, like upcoming trades of current books have been canceled and they don't know if they're going to be, you know, ever come out at all. And that's 
typically not something you have to worry about at Marvel. Marvel hasn't really ever done that. Um, so when you when you when you get like kind of a line, not to say that every you know line that you end up buying at Marvel isn't going to you know potentially get canceled or not continue because God forbid um, you know there have been a few, um, but. For the most part, like they have commitments like the Epic Collections, and people kind of believe that you know we're going to get everything in this collection. And maybe when it started, people were more skeptical, but now we're we're so far into the program, and it seems to be quite viable, and people are really enjoying it. And there's communities springing out about them that you know they'll, they'll probably still continue. Um, so whenever there's a you know a new line at Marvel, you seem to be there seem to be more kind of trust that they'll be able to keep it going and, and have it come out. Whereas when it comes out at DC, you don't always have that same level of of, uh, of trust. Um, so why do I bring this up at all? So uh, there is a new line that I did buy, um, and I guess it's, maybe it's not a new line at all, but it's new to me, um, which is, I guess they, they started creating these giant, um, very thick soft cover compendiums is what they're calling them. Um, and I guess there's, there haven't been too many so far. And it, it's possible, now that I think about it, maybe a lot of it is kind of coming out of um, you know, the prior Vertigo stuff. And actually, that makes some sense. Um, so, like, I have one in, in my hands that I've been very excited about for some time. Um, so, way back when, I remember reading about Fables all the time, but didn't really want... like did, I was just such a Marvel DC guy, um, you know, and I didn't really even go out into Vertigo, and I didn't really kind of go outside that bubble, which was dumb. But, you know, when you're young, you do the stupid things. Um, then a good friend of the show, Nathan Struck, his wife, I was like, oh, I'm reading this book. It's so good. It's from Vertigo. Uh, it's called Fables. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I think she gave me like eight or nine trades. Like, I had heard of it. Um, I worked for a website, comicstream.com, way back in the day. This is 2004 to 2009, 10. Uh, it became CX Pulp near the end. Uh, kind of a sad ending, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, she, so I'd, I'd heard of it, and I kind of knew that there was like a twist, and there's something going on there. But she was like, you know, you got to read this. So she gave me like eight or nine trades, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I really loved it, and kind of started becoming current with it. And was, she started you know, buy me some of the trades for, like, birthdays and that kind of thing, but I never had that many, and I never really had them in a row, and so, like, up the first, like, eight or nine trades, I have, like, five or six of them. Anyway, and that was always this thing that I kind of regretted, uh, not going back and buying all the trades and having a complete collection of it, and, uh, you know, I've read it here and there from other other sources, and I've really enjoyed it. It was a great book, and in the past, I've actually interviewed both uh, Mark Buckingham and um, Bill Willingham on the show, and being able to talk about how much I love Fables, um, but, you know, it, having a, a proper kind of series and collected format, I never really had it, I, and I found it was cost prohibitive to kind of go back and try and get all the trades, and then... This beautiful Fables Compendium was announced, and uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's giant. Um, you know, it's $60 US, $79 Canadian. You're getting the first 41 issues of Fables, and then you're getting Fables The Last Castle, A Wolf in the Fold, and Fables 1001 Nights of Snowfall. So that is a ton of content for $79 Canadian. Um, I actually was lucky enough to be able to get it for less because of a, a deal on, one of, uh, on an online website. That was not Amazon, um, but uh, it's just such a beautiful book, and they've already announced the second compendium. And the problem is, I'm so worried that, like, you know, how, how far are they going to go? Are they going to give us every compendium? And it looks like this isn't the only compendium that DC's kind of putting out right now. That looks like earlier this March they put out the uh, DMZ compendium by Brian Wood, um, which I've never read, but I've been curious about. It, and I'm thinking about it, and I know that like you have places like. Image have been putting together, you know, uh, branded compendiums for a long time. Um, I would argue, 
don't know if they're quite as big. Oh, no, I guess they are, in fact, bigger. I was just looking at the uh, the Invincible Compendium is actually bigger, uh, the the first volume. So, you know, they, they, these are large things that they're putting out. Um, but I'm just, you know, with it being DC, you're always a little curious. Is it going to continue? Um, you know, is it something I'm going to be able to, you know, continue to enjoy? Or is it just going to go away? Because um, you're never really sure with DC what they might decide to cancel. Thankfully, you know, this first version came out, uh, first volume, I should say. The second one looks like it's supposed to come out in May. Uh, I've already pre-ordered that on, our, on Amazon. It does look like the DC ones have happened to be published under the black label uh, threshold, which is curious. I'm under, I'm curious why they're doing it that way. Um, you know, why are they putting it under, you know, a different kind of heading? And it's not, I guess, it, again, Vertigo doesn't exist. So I guess Black Label is really the only way you'd be able to republish some of this stuff. It's just an interesting, because you, you get rid of that name and now I guess you, you have to put things in Black Label that wouldn't necessarily fit. But I guess it does fit Black Label. It is a mature book. There's language, there's nudity. So I guess it does make sense for it to be there. Um, it's just interesting to kind of look at how that you know, label is evolving. Um, Ex Machina is another one where, uh, you know, they they have put that out in a compendium format. Um, not quite as large. Um, you know, the first volume of that only had 25 issues and two specials. Um, but that came, again, earlier this year, and same typical price point. It's uh, I think the first issue was a little bit cheaper, and the second was a little higher. Uh, so it's just interesting how they're, you know, this is this this is the new format. Um, the one I'm most curious about, and I've talked about this with a friend of the show, Eric Anthony of the uh, Cave of Solitude podcast, is that they're also going to be bringing uh, Starman out. Um, now, I don't think that's technically out of the black label uh, threshold, so that'll be our uh, imprint, so that'll be interesting to see how they do that. That's another one I've been thinking about, because everyone says how Starman's amazing, and I'm embarrassed to say I've never really read it. Um, so I should probably go back and read it at some point. And this seems like probably the best way to do it. Um, the first volume has the first 42 issues and a bunch of soft um, uh, one-shots. Um, so it's, you know, 1,400 pages. That is not a small amount by any means. Um, so, I'm you know, I'm really kind of con- considering, you know, jumping into Starman and being able to enjoy it. And Fables, I would imagine, is going to end up go- going for four of these compendiums, which is, again, a commitment. Like, I'm glad that the first two are at least kind of available for order. I don't know if the second one's actually been solicited or if it's just kind of an advance kind of solicited on Amazon. But, um, you know, if the next next one is around 40 or so issues, you know, that's only 80 issues of the 150 that we got plus crossovers. So I'm just really curious, you know, are we going to end up, am I going to be able to end up having these beautiful four you know, soft covers. Um, I always, when they started doing the deluxe editions, my hesitation there was that I already owned a bunch of the soft cover trades and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have it in double. And I kind of regretted doing that. But again, now I'm going to get a more budget friendly version of getting fables if they decide to publish all of them. <laughs> I guess that's where my number one fear is, is that are they actually going to end up publishing all of them or am I going to end up with two volumes and then the other two get canceled or, you know, it, uh, solicited and then canceled and, you know, resolicited And, you know, you hear about um, a lot of horror stories about that with DC books and uh, it continues to happen. There's a, it, along with one of the recent cancellations, I think a Bronze Age book got canceled. So, and like a Swamp Thing, I think book got canceled that would have brought it right up to the Alan Moore era. Um, so it's kind of interesting how that you know you, you as a consumer, if you're buying something at DC, have to be a little bit more cautious because you're not really sure if they're going to stick it, stick to it, I should say. Uh, whereas at Marvel, I feel like there's been a built up consumer um, confidence that 
you know, you're going to be able to buy these things and they're going to keep them around and they're going to keep it going. Um, like crazy stuff, like back, like it's interesting when, when the clone saga started coming out in trade paperback form, what, nine, ten years ago, I never thought about it. I never thought about they're not going to continue this. Um, you know, I'm going to start buying this and they're just going to stop. Um, maybe it's just naivete, but like I always believed that I would get what I eventually got, which is 11 volumes. And I think they could have made some of them a little thicker and they, they started making them a little thinner and keeping the price count, uh, sorry, the uh, price point the same. But, you know, it's kind of crazy that, you know, I never thought about it at all. And I just believed naively as someone who was not yet 30 that I would be able to get all of the Golden Saga and these massive trade paperbacks. And even when they said they were going to put it in an omnibus, I'm like, all right, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, because, you know, New Avengers got one omnibus and never got any more. Uh, and then they've had complete collections and that kind of stuff. So, you know, Marvel's definitely not uh, impervious to, you know, starting something and not continuing it. Uh, but I feel like they've definitely earned a lot more confidence uh, in their publishing plans and ability to do things pro- with proper mapping. And, you know, I, I think the Masterworks, as well as the uh, Epic Collections, and even the Essential Collections, really, have really proven that they're committed to doing something. And they're not as often going to drop things. Now, with that being said, you have, you know, the Nick Fury's Masterworks, I don't think ever really went that far, or haven't gone that far thus far. We haven't had a volume in a long time. There's an Epic Collection of Sergeant Fury, and I don't think... I don't know if we're getting volume two or whatever anytime soon. So that's an interesting story. But for the most part, they, you know, they, they stick to things. And I think that, again, that consumer confidence definitely makes me feel good about it. Anyways, that's uh, enough of me prattling on today. Thanks for listening to this episode. It's just been 20 minutes of me gabbing about Sonic the Hedgehog and Fables. So enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can email me at comicshanigans at gmail.com, rate and review the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Um, our next episode, as I said, should be an episode with Rick Hoberg, and uh, I'm really excited about that episode. And uh, Again, we're going to have some great stuff coming in the next couple of months, so uh, as we uh, get closer and closer to Christmas, uh, we're going to have some good content on the Comic Shanigans podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>